everyone. Welcome to Real Women Real Estate Podcast, episode 61. Whoop, whoop. Good everyone. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I was on mute. <laughs> you guys, we're on our summer hours, if you haven't already noticed. So thank you for your patience. But this is episode 61. I just want to congratulate myself and my co-hosts for consistently pumping out episodes in the midst of the pandemic and schedules changing. We are still dedicated to the podcast and we're happy to bring you another high quality episode. We have a super special guest. Her name is Miss Janae Pratt. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Janae. But first, you know, I got to give you a quote of the day. Today's quote is, you want to get paid like a pro, you have to practice like a pro. You have to have the skills of a pro and then you get paid like one. And that is by Mr. Brian Buffini, a.k.a. Courtney's best friend in her head. And hey, it's always there. <laughs> why, why fight it? <laughs> I love it. Okay, guys, let's learn a little bit about today's guest, Miss Janae Pratt. Janae is a passionate and talented real estate agent dedicated to serving her surrounding communities in Richmond, Vallejo, and El Sofronte. Janae was born and raised in San Francisco, and after graduating college in New York with a BA in business and a minor communications, she pursued her entrepreneurial dreams in branding and marketing. Growing up, Janae always loved real estate. Living in San Francisco as a teenager, she would visit the avenues and admire the architecture, beauty, and character of each home. Her interest in real estate later led her to become an investor. After five years of investing, she saw her growing passion as an opportunity to educate people on the process of buying and selling homes. That coupled with her desire to help and interact with people inspired her to become a realtor. Thank you so much for joining, Janae. We're super excited to have you. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. I can just talk, 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 talk. So please stop me <laughs> when you guys say, okay, that's a wrap for that question. Moving on. So I'm happy to be here. Love talking real estate, especially with my black and brown people and my women, right? Exactly. And and that's we talked a little bit before the show got started about how our podcast came about as a need for seeing, you know, women of color in the real estate space, um, really from like a teaching standpoint. But how did your real estate career begin? How did you get started? Mine's really started more or less when I, you know, I think the seed was planted coming up really just with the you know, admiring homes, the architecture of homes, and just like, oh, wow. My biggest question that I used to ask myself as a teenager when I used to look at the homes was, how did they afford to buy this home? That was like my number one question. Then the next question was, you know, well, how did they come up with the design for this home, right? So it was more like the interest of how do you obtain something like this and how do you creatively design something like this? So I think it had already kind of been there, like somewhere embedded in me. But when I purchased my first property, which was my primary home, right? And I used FHA loan, which we were talking about earlier. Um, I used the FHA loan and it took forever. This was back in 2012. So we know that was still the residuals of what was happening from, you know, the domino effect, what was happening from 2008, right? 2008, the, the crisis, yeah. Right. So um, I was just getting beat out left and right, pow, pow, from all the investors just buying up all the properties. And this one property was a HUD home. And so the only way that you could get it is if you were going to occupy that home, right? And it was up for 30 days for only buyers who were gonna occupy it. If no buyer came in in 30 days who was gonna occupy it, it then became open for the investors. So I got that one and I really didn't think my offer was gonna accept it. This is, was pre-babies, pre-husband, it was a five bedroom house, two and a half bath. And I'm like, what am I gonna do with this, this house all by myself? But I just said, hey, fine, I'll submit the offer. No big deal. It had already been a whole year. I started January, 2012. And I went into contract literally like at the end or mid December of 2012 and closed 
January, 2013. So I submitted the offer and I forgot about it because I had gotten beat out so many times. And then my realtor called me and said, hey, your offer got accepted and it was in my price point. At that time, I purchased it for $220,000 um, in 2012. So 2013, we closed. But when I got it, it had 50 grand of equity in it, like three weeks later. Wow. I was like, what? Okay, that's cool. So, but I knew when I purchased that home that it wasn't going to be my forever home. I knew it was going to be a rental property. So here's something funny. So you fast forward uh, almost a year later, get with my husband and he comes to my house. But I knew again, remember, I'm going to turn this house into a rental property. So I had no furniture. I only had my furniture in my bedroom and a couch in a coffee table downstairs in the living room nothing else anywhere else right and so my husband's like what is this a trap house like you don't have nothing in this house I'm like what are you talking about this is not a trap house i just know that i'm not going to be living here so i'm going to turn it into a rental so that was my first property that i knew i was going to turn it into a rental property in a year and a half later that's what i did and that just sparked just more wanting to buy more and more and more. So that was my first property. Primary home can always be your first investment. Tell people this all the Did time. you know all this, like just jumping out of the gate that, hey, I'm gonna do an investment property that usually people kind of study up on this or get a mentor or something like this. You just came out of the gate like, hey, I'm gonna get this home and I'm gonna rent it out. Right, and that's a good question. And you know how people say kind of like, think of stuff and you don't know what you're doing, but yeah. you feel like this might be the right thing to do. So I really didn't have a mentor. Um, and I was coming from New York city. I don't know if I mentioned that when I, I lived in New York for eight years, I moved back to California in 2012 in January. So I went to stay with my mom and then I started that whole year of looking for a place. And when I was in New York, I was like, man, the properties are so cheap but I could stay in New York City, I love it, but to buy what I want is gonna cost, you know, four or five, at the time, four or 500,000 just for a little studio, right? And I said, I just can't bring myself to do it. I, I don't wanna do that. So when I moved back home, I just was like, eh, I can buy something and just rent it out. Don't know where it came from and just like, hey, I'm just gonna rent it out and move on to something else that I really, really want. But my thought was just that one house, rent it, and then move to my forever home. Your forever home. So where's that house at now? Uh, that house is in Vallejo. I still have it. You still have that home till oh. this day. Yeah, that's that brings us to the other questions you have. But of course, I still have that property. <sighs> yep, still have that's it. That's fire. Yeah. That yeah. You never, never got rid of it. No. Nope. Yeah. So <laughs> equity on top of equity. Oh God. I look at the houses that sell over there. I say, you just keep selling. Go ahead. <laughs> 590, 600. Great. Go ahead. Keep selling. Yeah. I, you currently live where now? Huh? You currently live where? I live in Pinol. And Pinol is about mm, 20 minutes away from Vallejo. So it's not far. It's like hop, skipping and drunk away. So like north of Berkeley, all of all of that, right? So if you're in Vallejo, you could be in Napa from Vallejo in 25 minutes. That's that's a good that's a good cross reference. Yes. Just label it to Napa. <laughs> yep. So Napa is 20, 25 minutes away. You take Highway 37. Highway 37 is like Sonoma Boulevard turns in, you keep going, keep going. Then you can yeah. go to um, Highway 37 and take it to uh, Napa. You're, and you can just take the streets all the way to Napa. If that's your thing, that's super convenient. Right. There's some people that I know that do Airbnb for when for Vallejo that for people who are always going to visit to Napa. It's because it's much cheaper to do the Airbnb in Vallejo and then drive to Napa. So. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, speaking of your home, your first home that you kept, what is your 
your your portfolio like? What's your investment strategy like today? So um, fast forward to 2021, so post pandemic. Right, <laughs> post pandemic, we have five properties. One is a duplex, and my strategy now actually. I started this strategy last year is to only buy properties where I can put an ADU in the back. If I can't put an ADU, I, I don't want to buy it. If it's ADU. A, oh, sorry guys. Um, that is a accessory dwelling unit. It's ADU, granny flat, casita, in-law unit. Okay. They're all the same thing. Okay. Right. So if I can't build one of those, I don't want it. If it's a duplex, the year the laws changed in 2020 of January, where it made it so much easier to build ADUs or convert detached garage garages into ADUs or take the non-permitted places that used to be used as ADUs or inline units and converting them into official ADUs. So it's kind of like being able to put a duplex or a triplex without actually buying a duplex or a triplex. So I my duplex itself has a carport, for example, and that will eventually be converted into a one bedroom ADU. So I just had to Google ADU. Um, <laughs> you guys didn't know what ADU was? No, no never heard of it. Don't have that. Know. They <laughs> call it <laughs> granny pods in Texas. Yeah, There's like a Texas granny pod lot. Yeah, granny pods, ADU, casitas. I've never even heard of granny pod. I've it looks like a she shed. Yeah, but it's really a house. It's, it's a, a house. It really yeah. is. Can you I talk a little bit about ADUs? Talk to like educate us on on ADUs then and some of the rules around them and some of the benefits because some people actually don't want ADUs because they say that it won't necessarily uh, increase the value like in the square footage because a lot of people get them un uh, what do you call it without a licensed contractor. Unpermitted. Yeah, I'm permitted. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of people are kind of like straying away, but talking about the benefits of how, what's your ADU strategy? So why I love ADUs and, and why California, right, is really in love with ADUs for a couple of reasons. There's lack of inventory, biggest reason, right? And with that being said, California had their the laws that changed in January 2020 to make it so much easier for people like myself, our homeowners who want to put an ADU in the back of their home to make it easier to get it permitted. Because before it was like, you know, you gotta go through all the red tape and that's why people were doing them illegally, right? Or having people do them where it's just non-permitted. So the benefits of that is you have the homeowners who want to age in place, for example, right? So everything isn't necessarily about investing like we want to think about, right? So the ADUs for in this, for someone who wants to age in place, let's say they have a two-story home and now they're in their, you know, 70s. They don't want to, you know, be going up and down the stairs. They could put a one-bedroom 700 square foot or even 600 square foot ADU in the back and live in the back and have their family, like their children with their family, live in that two-story home in the front, or they can rent it out, right? But they're still staying where they're familiar, right? In the neighborhood that they like, and they don't have to pick up and go somewhere else. Would you call it age, what? Uh, age in place. Interesting. Yeah. So my mother's doing that right now, <laughs> but that was, it was really, it's at my grandpa's house. Cause she takes care of my grandpa. So she's staying in there. They, they changed, they took out the garage and made it a garage apartment, there you go. And, um, but there's no upstairs to it. it like uh, for me, I'm familiar with garage apartments that have the apartment above the garage, but this one was actually a conversion. So yeah. I don't That's think it can be like a garage apartment anymore. Now it's just like an apartment. <laughs> Out here, I mean, you That's know. an ADU, right? You, you know, you can go to, in San Jose, it's really big. You know, you go to San Jose and rent out someone's garage, right? That has been converted and you're paying about $2,500 to stay in that place. So, you know, that's what it is. So. That's the that's like a pro reason why someone who like a homeowner would want an ADU. And yes, it's costly, right? We'll get into that. It costs, it's not cheap, right? 
but it in the long run it's cheaper than having to move readjust somewhere else right for someone who wants to age in place now for your investors you can look at it as well for us if i want to buy a duplex out this way where vallejo is and i'm gonna have to come in about six seven hundred thousand um and it may be a place that still needs some work right but if i can buy a single family home in the threes right um or even in the low fours that ha already has a detached garage i don't have to build the structure i just need to convert the detached garage right and i'll give you guys a perfect example but when you those are the reasons why people want to do it because now i'm renting out the front unit and then i'm renting out the converted garage and it probably is cheaper than buying an actual duplex but you're still getting to rental income. Yeah. Right. So for me, um, those are the pros. So some of the cons, like you asked, is you know, it takes a long time for the process. No, the biggest con is the cost, right? Because it can't be um your traditional financing won't apply, right? So what people typically do is they'll take out a HELOC or you know, they'll use cash or take money from their 401k. Um, and then for me, um, I have a project where it is going, you can use, it's a loan called Homestyle Loan. It's kind of similar to 203k loans, but you could take that loan and build a brand new ADU. So my project, Courtney, that you see me kind of talking about the permits and all this stuff that's going on, um, that is a 996 square foot uh, home ADU that's being built from the ground up um, in Vallejo in the back of one of my rental properties. But then I have another rental property that has the single family in front and a 900 square foot detached garage that will be converted as well. So. You know the cons are it's expensive how do you get the money to do this this job right if you can't get a loan from like a homestyle loan or a 203k loan the projects aren't enough in value to get a construction loan does that make sense like the construction lenders won't give you a construction loan because the project doesn't cost enough for them to want to lend you the money to do an ADU or a casita, granny flat, whatever you want to call it. They don't want to loan it to you. So that's the, to me, that's the biggest con. And then some of the other things that you have to do, like if there's a sprinkler system in the house in the front, guess what? You have to add sprinkler system in the house in the back. Um, but it all depends on if it's going to be a new build, like from the ground up, or if it's going to be a conversion. For me, mine's a new build. Guess what? In California, January 2020, any new construction, you have to add solar. Boom, that's 20 something thousand already. You know, so there's some pros. Shut up. That makes perfect sense. That's why you're seeing all this solar stuff now on all these new bills. I didn't know that that was mandatory. Yes, it's mandatory. Yeah. You have to put the ugly solar panels on the roof. <laughs> we love them in California. They're ugly. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna get some, not, some solar stock. I didn't know that was mandatory. Yeah, California 2000. That makes so much sense because I was like, why do I, why are they always all on the new bills? And new construction, if you have clients that's buying new construction, this is off top. Well, yeah, I have. I didn't, I just thought it was just like, oh, they just stay on top of their game. That's why they so got these solar. million dollar homes <laughs> have to have these million dollar homes have to have those ugly solar panels on them. Yes. If it's brand, if it's a brand, if it's new, brand new, brand new construction, and they all do, they all have them. Yeah, they're, they're hideous. In the buyer, right? So like, I you know, know you don't really, I don't know, I don't really pay attention to the, to how they appear. Um, but I know the big deal. Like, I want to know is, is it owned or, or is it owned or leased? You can get either way. So when you're doing yeah, construction typically when new construction, like if you have a buyer that's buying, you know, from a, a new community that's being built, right? they add it into their loan and then they just buy it outright and they're paying the mortgage on it or they'll get it leased separately and then, then they're paying the lease over the time of that. Oh, the, life, the life of the mortgage. Life, right, of that um, lease. That's coming to Texas. That's that's coming everywhere. That's, it's going to start with blue. 
It's yep. gonna start with all the blue states, and then well, it's it gonna make its Texas way to purple because Texas ain't blue. It's gonna make its way to purple, <laughs> and then it's gonna get, it's gonna get to red. It's gonna so Texas will be gonna the fiftieth state. You have enough Californians moving out to Texas. That exactly, they gonna change they their joint blue. That's why the people in California who don't want to do that come to Texas. They don't want to. Yeah. They don't want to have to add a twenty thousand dollars to their new project, so they come. Build, they buying up stuff in cash. <laughs> the lots of cash in Texas. It's a weird liberal like mix, right? Like it's liberal, but then they have a lot of rules on your liberalness. You know what I mean? <laughs> Check this box. Make sure you do this and this, but you can be liberal. Exactly. But um, yeah. So that that's you know some of the pros and cons. I can go on and on and on, right? But those are some of the things that's just top of mind, you know, that you have to think about and you have to kind of decide if it pencils out for you um, to do, you know, ADUs. But that is my investment strategy from here on out, um, unless I'm purchasing something out of state, you know, maybe 25, 30 units, which I eventually will do, but I'm trying to focus on my ADU projects here because the first one I'm doing again is a house that's being built from the ground up that I'm so so excited about. I've been wanting to do this for the last two years and we're I'm getting closer and closer to breaking ground this year. So I'm excited. Oh congratulations. That's a, that's huge. And I think what you're doing is huge. Can you mention something? I just don't I don't know what it is. It's 203 loan. Is that what you said? Yeah the 203k how do you qualify for that? So, um, and don't quote me, <laughs> but it's basically if you are going to be buying a primary home, right? Um, that's 203K. But the but the home style loan that I mentioned, I believe you can use it if you are a primary or home um, investor, um, either or for home style. But 203K is only for primary and it won't allow you to do a big project like I'm doing, like building from the ground up, but it will allow you to go into a home that um, is habitable, right? But needs work, it needs new floors, needs a new kitchen, needs, you know, the bathroom needs to be redone and you can get approved for that 203K loan that will be in conjunction with the FHA loan. It works with FHA loan. So you'll have your FHA loan, then your 203K loan is all kind of like wrapped up in one. And then you'll pay whatever that mortgage is going to be because you're getting kind of like the renovation loan included into your overall loan, if that makes sense. Yeah, that I'm talking to a lender right now and I asked about 203K loan and they were like, Yes, but they're starting to discourage them because there's so many requirements. Like FHA has so many requirements that have to be done. Like before you get approved for the loan, you have to have a contractor lined up. You have to have like dates and stuff lined up yeah. for the type of property. I was like, so, that so kind of defeats the purpose. So here's the thing. And, and, you know, maybe I can, you know, be blessed to come on you guys show again. Um, but the thing about that is if you are, prepped. Like whenever I buy a property, I'm thinking six months, eight months out. I'm already planning six to eight months ahead of time, right? I'm not saying, hey, I want to buy a house. I want to buy an investment property tomorrow. Although things do pop up where I'm like, ooh, let me go take a look at that. Let me see, right? And But sometimes I have to pump my brakes and focus, right? So I, I don't, I'm doing this homestyle loan also so I could share with those people who want to buy places that may need some work, right? And may need to do, a, use the 203k loan or do a homestyle loan so they can get into a home, right? Because here's part of the discouragement for us, our people too, right? Um, is that we don't have enough cash to either compete with all the other people that are out there buying homes, right? And so that's just another barrier that's in front of us that says, ah, you know, you can use the 203k loan, but some lenders are lazy. They don't want to go through doing the 203k loan because it is going to take a lot of steps. But if you have connections with contractors and contractors that are familiar with working with 203k loans or a homestyle loan, then I say go for it. And that's why I'm kind of like just an open book. I just really want to share with people my experience, 
what it's like. Um, I'm actually gonna do a live in about two or three weeks with my lender on my Instagram and having her check the box like, okay, what did I turn in? What do I still need to submit? What else do they need for this loan to be approved? So people can kind of get an understanding of what it's like to go through the process to get a loan like a 203k loan or homestyle loan and not let the lenders discourage them because that could be the extra boost people need to buy the house they needed to get into. You know what I mean? That's such a good point. And I'll definitely keep an eye out on that because I think that's, you know, we talk about investing so much, but I think like the actual process of using these types of programs that people hear about nobody ever like kind of holds your hand or shows you like their experience with going through it. I think maybe there's some people who talk about NACA, but that's a whole nother conversation. Oh, no. So. <laughs> just, just, like, that's a hot button for me, but, um, you know, but yeah, I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, every option you have to get into a home. And, you know, I realized like, you know, you have a lot of gurus out here just telling you these things. And I just, you know, as Courtney knows, like, I just want to share, like, I just want to share with people, show them what I'm doing. You'll see some, a video that I did last year that I was kind of just trying to get everything all lined up and make it all nice and pretty. And I said, frick it, I don't have time for this. I already, you know, let me drop this video. It's important because it's kind of getting people's attention to say, okay, well, let me see what this black girl who looks like me is doing with all these houses out here. So you know, it's just important that we share. And we, when I share something like this, it's going to be like, oh, well, that's not too terrible. I could do that if I just plan accordingly. Just plan. Take the time out and plan. And you could do it. So don't let that lender discourage you. You look into that 203K loan, find some contractors. Yes, you are on a time frame. But if you find a contractor that's familiar with taking draws, how to do, how to stay in the timeline. And even if you need an extension, extensions can happen. So there is, you can get it done. Just all the people you're working with. Thanks for the encouragement, Janae. Welcome. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. I appreciate that. So let's talk about one of your rentals, maybe your first rental, if you don't mind, but we just want to kind of dial into the numbers a bit more about one of your more successful rentals or a rental that taught you a lot. Maybe you weren't successful right away. Ooh, I'm gonna have to say, look, I've been kind of lucky. I'll say I've been lucky with the purchase prices I've been able to get my rentals for. So all of them cash flow. Um, so the one that I'm gonna use in, as an example is one of my this is a better one that I'd like to share. And I just, just broad numbers, right? So 2018, um, my husband and I purchased this uh, duplex and it was just word of mouth. My same agent who helped me buy my house in 2013, who happens to be my cousin-in-law, right? She was like, you know, I'm talking to her and like, hey, you know, I think we're going to try and look for a multi-unit. I need to, you know, add a multi-unit to my portfolio. I want to do, you know, either a duplex, tri or quad, you know, whichever one I need to get my foot in the door with something that's multi-unit. And just conversations like, oh, really? Um, I, I have one that's actually being fixed right now that's going to come to the market. You might be able to, you know, maybe catch it before it comes to the market. And we talked a little bit about it, got with my lender, um, and that was a story within itself. Um, I got with my lender and he was kind of really super, super conservative and like, I don't know if you're going to be able to get to qualify because you are, I was transitioning into becoming a realtor, right? And then I also had to still have my full-time job. And I was like, you know what? I'm trying to get out of this full-time job, but I can't leave until I get this duplex, right? So he was being super conservative. So I took him and like three other lenders and wrote it all on a sheet inside, like so actually it was four lenders side by side, see who gave me the best terms, interest rate, all that. So we ended up buying this duplex for 420,000, Courtney. Right. And that's like in 2018. <laughs> that's insane. 420,000. 
and the work that was done, like the whole interior of the duplex was redone. Like, where, what city was this in? My favorite v city, Vallejo. Vallejo? Vallejo. Yep, yep. Like, so cheap. <laughs> listen listen and at the time i had the nerve to be like mm, i don't know because i'm crunching right <laughs> i'm crunching my numbers and i'm like well you know if we buy this for 420 and it's going to cost us i think we were putting down all together cash to close was like eighty thousand, right i want to say it's around 15 percent, right so we're like okay we put down eighty thousand you know, mortgage altogether was like 23 and some change, right? And I was like, mm, that's not enough, right? I wanted, I wanted to make 2000 on cash flow. This is because I'm being like, now I'm spoiled, right? Like, man, I want to get, because my first house, let's kind of rewind, my first house that I turned into a rental, mind you, my mortgage there, I bought it for 220. So my mortgage there was only like, it was like $1,400, but I was renting it for $2,700. So I was like, I could do this again. You know what I mean? But I'm still learning while I'm doing all yeah. of this. I'm still not, you know, I'm not an expert at doing all the numbers and understanding other investments and how they work, right? So I'm still learning, still trying to, you know, become, well, what do you call it? I'm a novice at that time. You know, yeah, um, novice, newbie. Right, still like you know, I got. I'm trying to get another property under my belt. I'm thinking, I'm okay. I'm gonna do duplex, and so I called around to a few people, and they're like, "Yeah, what? You better get that duplex. You better get that duplex right now." So I got it. We paid twenty three fifty for everything. We had an impound account, so that's taxes, piti, so principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, right? Was about twenty three fifty. I wrote this one down for you guys, and so you you you're ready. So we rent it, both units for two thousand a month, right? And so this was in twenty eighteen, right? So even after, um, because I put the reserves to the side for you know vacancy rate repairs. If we just so happen to have a property manager, we don't have one, we, we are the property managers. And so I put around about $600 to the side and it's about $1,000, almost $1,000 to $1,100 of cap, just positive cash flow for that unit. That's even with putting the reserves to the side. And right now in 2021, we are under market rate for rentals. So we are that going to crazy. Yeah, we're going to increase it to $2,200 a month. Yeah, so that's they crazy. already know what's coming next. Says, the hairs on the back of my neck are just like the average net <laughs> on rentals is like $250. Like if you're at $250, you're doing good. No, not out here. So, so no, I know, but I meant like out here, the average is like right. 250, like 250, right. you're doing good on a rental. Right. But see, the only, the, but there's here's the big difference is that your cost to enter enter is different your cost of entry is different right yeah ours is much higher right so you probably at that time in 2018 could have bought a duplex for two hundred thousand. you know what i mean versus four hundred and twenty thousand. so there is a difference but um and that's why i kind of have still been staying in california investing because my return and how i'm crunching my numbers they're still higher. I would still have to buy two to three properties down south or Midwest to equate to what I would get from one property out here in California, right? So, and that's just how I've been able to buy. So again, 2000 each unit, we put $80,000 down. So that I wanna say it's like $1,600 um, after we pay our mortgage. And then we put the 600 to the side, then it's a thousand dollars every month. So, and that is, I did the math and it says about a 15% return. Even if we just, if we just use the $80,000, right. That's a 15% on cash for cash return. So that's phenomenal. Yeah. That's, that's not every day. Yeah. That's not every day. You, you, you got to get in a little early, you yeah. know, to to get that or just find something off market right so you you did a good a lot of yours have come from like who you know word of mouth right 
Yeah, so um, strangely enough, and that, that'll go to the next property, right? So we talked about my first property. I tapped into the equity for that property to buy two other properties just from the equity from that house, right? And I still have mm, almost 200000 in equity in that first house after taking 130000 out of that house. So it's, you know, you have to make your money go and work for you. So it's kind yeah. of, you know, the how the the equity in the house means nothing. You know what I mean? That's, that's great, you know, but you know, can you afford to put it to work, right? So of course it's now, like having a good credit score. Right. It's what does it matter if you're not gonna do anything to yeah. benefit from that credit score? So if we, you know, go back and say, okay, I was getting you know, my mortgage was 1400 from the first property. Of course, now it's more because I took money out of it, right? But I was able to acquire two of the properties. And so, like you were saying, um, word of mouth and kind of people understanding what I'm looking for. Again, property number three, same realtor. Mind you, at this time, I'm a realtor now, right? But this property was off market. And so here's how I got it. That one, the seller was had someone in it who said they wanted to just rent to own. And so there just so happened to be a shooting across the street. And the person said, hell no, I want out of here. And I was like, well, I know that area in Vallejo. Like that's weird. Cause that area, I would never expect for that to happen. So she called me up and was like, hey, are you looking for any new properties? I have something that's coming, um, that could be coming in Vallejo. This is the situation. And I went to look at it and bingo, almost a 7,000 square foot lot. This is the one I'm building the ADU on. Guess how much, wow. I, guess how much I purchased for last year? Two bedroom, one bath, $325,000. I was thinking 400,000, but yeah. That's a steal here, yeah. 325 on a set almost was 6,500 square foot lot. And if I want to, after the house is built, if I want to separate the parcel, I could and just sell both houses. Just depends yeah. what, what you want to do. But yes, word of mouth and people understanding, okay, this is what I'm looking for. So if you come across anything like this, I don't care if the house in the front is in shambles, but it's on a 7,000 square foot lot. I want it if it costs me 400,000 and it's going to cost me 360,000, maybe 400,000 to build another house in the back. Give it to me, I want it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's pretty phenomenal. That's that's really it. When, when what, what, what year, was that this year that you got the, you got that one? Uh, last 2020, year, last year, so last year I bought the, so when I took the money out from the first house, I sat on it for a year. I sat on the money for an entire year. Didn't touch it. Not one bit, not to buy a bag, <laughs> uh, uh, nothing. And it helps that I'm super plain Jane. I'm really, really plain Jane. So I'm just like, eh, well, it, helps. Like, <laughs> it helps a lot. Right. So I held it because I was like, you know, I have to find the right property. I just have to find the right property. And a year later, I purchased that one on, on, on Ohio Street in Vallejo. And then two months later, purchased another one on Sonoma Boulevard in um, Vallejo. That's the one that has the house in the front and the 900 square foot detached garage in the back. I need to borrow some money. Dude, I'm going to ask you to borrow some money. You out here closing, <laughs> willing and dealing. I'm going to borrow $5. I'm going to take that bag. You want to buy it, I'll buy it. Look, I'm, I'm out here struggling. <laughs> oh, discipline is learned. No, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So what's your, what's your goal? Like, are you, you trying to build a, a community here? You're trying to. Black Lives Matter, you trying to, what, what's your goal? What's your, what's your end goal here? So, what's your goal? And then also how many, so how many total do you have right now? Five. How many doors? Five. Well, well, one, two, um, three, four, five, 
six doors, if we build the ADU in the other three places, that would be nine. Okay. Because you can't pay separately. Right. Because they're separate rent. Yeah. Separate rent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my goal is ultimately is to just continue to do what I'm doing, but kind of like record my life really and just share it. Right. And when I share it, it is to encourage on purpose black and brown people to buy their either their first home, get that itch, and then maybe buy another home. Um, I'm really big on trying to find out if you can create a freedom number for yourself. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term freedom number, but for me, our first freedom number was like $5,000 a month. Um, of just passive income after all of the reserves are put. Explain it for our listeners and me. Okay. So um, just simply put a pass, a freedom number is the amount of money that you need monthly, but if you can make it passively from investments being made. So let's say you need $5,000 a month. That includes your mortgage, your um, food expenses, your, you know, gas and, and it may even have just a little cushion in there for savings, right? Right. Where you wouldn't have to go to work. If $5,000 is the number, it's in investing in enough vehicles. My vehicle, of course, is real estate. Um, investing in enough homes, rental properties, that's going to give you that passive income, excuse me, of $5,000 that you can decide if you want to punch the clock or not. So that's a freedom number. I like that. Yeah. And you educated me on this before, you know, kind of like a one-on-one talking about that. Yeah. So I'm going to challenge, you know, myself to really crunch those numbers and break it and break those down and do that. And I would challenge our listeners to do the same thing. I think it's a great challenge to yourself to really, all you you gotta do is just look at how much money you spend on a monthly basis and then really just say, Hey, this is the amount of money that, you know, I want to come in. Right, above right. and beyond those expenses so that I can support myself. Right. So you have kind of different levels to it. And just so you ladies know, um, and this is where I'm holding myself accountable. I'm going to say it on camera. So on, on my birthday, July 31st, I, there's another dope video that I'll be dropping and it'll be talking about kind of like a 30 a minute, a minute trailer to a like four and a half minute video that I did. Um, but anyway, that trailer is about freedom number and it's going to be a link to a, a ebook that I have. So I will send it to you ladies for free, but it is how to create, how to calculate your freedom number, right? Because there's different levels to it, right? Let's say somebody needed 5,000 to completely be free, has some cushion in there, but say if they hit 2,000 or 25. Like you don't have to worry about a big chunk of your bills, right? Because it's coming from passive income. Some people may want to stop there. Some people want to keep going. Some people want to continue to keep going because the freedom number changes because as you grow, prices increase, your wants and needs may change. So inflation, (laughs) inflation. So like I was saying, our freedom number went from 5,000 to 10,000. You leave it to me, it's going to be 20,000 in a minute. You know, Yeah, you got kids too. Kids will inflate a number in a right? in a heartbeat. Right. So now ours is 10,000 and we, I, once we build the ADU, we'll be around 8,500 or $9,000, depending on where rents land at that time. And then, so you think about it, if you hit 10,000 of passive income after you put all the reserves to the side, that's 120 grand. Absolutely. That's more. That's phenomenal, Janae. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is phenomenal. Sometimes I don't really think, I don't really think that it's a lot. Like you ever have that? Like you think that. uh, It's because you're ambitious. Like you can't even see how successful, like you can't appreciate it, but. All right. You've done a great job. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I I stress sometimes like, oh. I'm, I need to do some more. What else can I? That's me. That that's awesome. you know, I, my brain just won't stop. 
right? And and sometimes yeah. I do have to tell myself, okay, sit your butt down, and you need to just relax, right? I think it's I think it's the Beyonce yeah. syndrome. <laughs> the Beyonce syndrome or J or J Cole? Why would I stop? <laughs> why? Or is that, no, that's Big Sean. My bad. Big so, Sean. Why would I stop? Right, right. So you say, what's my, my goal? So on my shirt, you see it says like real estate is bigger. This means real estate is bigger than me. It's like math equation. So it's this is bigger than me. This is about my kids. This is about my nieces. This is about my peers that are saying, you know, I take my boys to projects. I take them to, you know, we were renovating the recent rental, you know, they were doing like little nailing things and giving the contractors to check, you know, like, hey, we like the work, let's inspect what happened. So this, this is bigger than me. I feel like my purpose is to encourage and inspire as many people as I can, especially my black and brown people to, you know, we have to decrease this wealth gap. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's so much bigger than me and it's like, you know, this is the way we know that real estate is one of the number one ways to build wealth, right? And we know uh, we go so deep, deep, deep on why we are left behind and why we deep. are so yeah. left behind. So on purpose. Right. So this is this is my purpose. This is why I'm here on this earth is to passionately share and share the numbers. Like I'm not hiding, but this is it. You know, we have, and I'll tell you guys. No, you do a great job of that. Thank you. You do a really, really good job. Yeah, so I, you know, it's important for people to know being a landlord is not always easy. And it's not just always about the numbers. You know, especially last year, we ran into a couple client, clients, a couple tenants who had a tough time and who were behind on paying rent. You know, and that's why it's very important as a landlord, as an investor to have reserves, because let's say you didn't have money saved. How do you pay your mortgage? You know, do you want to take the, you know, the, um, gosh, the more, what's the mortgage, um, moratorium, moratorium, right? Do you want to, um, you know, forbearance, do you want to take the forbearance, forbearance yeah. right? Right. So for me, I didn't want to do that. I don't like to have to pay extra money. So we went into our reserves and said, okay, this is what we're going to do to make up for our tenants that are either paying late, they're still paying catch up, playing catch up, or hey, we might have a tenant that might end up leaving and still owes us a couple months of rent. But you know what? It's probably best because I'd rather pay you to leave so I can get somebody else in who's going to pay. Okay, so, and it's all good because guess what? I'm gonna go from 2000 to 2250. So I, I'm fine. You know what I mean? So it, it's not always glitz and glam and fun. You know, we had someone, like I said, I purchased the house because they were shooting across the street. You know, it's not, it's not like, hey, everything is going to be perfect. So the neighborhood has calmed down, but guess what? Recently, somebody ran into the darn fence at one of my houses and I'm like, oh God, we gotta get this fixed. But that's the life of a landlord, you know? So you just have to have that like, yeah. right mindset and be ready, be ready. Cause not always fun. No, this has been, this has been dope. I think, I think, I, I don't know. You've left me with something, something to think about and to set some, set some new goals. And I encourage everybody to check out, check out your videos. And before I ask, you know, how can people find you? You, you are, or you are a Bay Area realtor. Mm -hmm. Shout out to those people. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your perspective on the market as a, as a whole you know, for all the people that think that this is a bubble, I know you, I know we're we're in one particular area, but if you can just kind of expand because the same thing is happening really everywhere. And I, and I see a lot of things where people are, you know, in one particular area and they think they are just the expert on that area, but this is really across the United States. I know that we're kind of on an island, but what is your perspective on the market as a whole, as an investor? Well, first and foremost, you know, we here in California have, have the highest median cost of a home period. Like it's, that already is like, what the hell, why, you know? But my, my thought process is just basic economics, 
right? Just supply and demand, right? And this is happening across America, right? I'm sure it's happening in Dallas. I'm sure it's happening in Chicago, you know, North Carolina, you know, start of Wyoming. Let's just throw them all out. Throw out some cities. Right. So um it can't but to me, right, in basic economics, or even if you think about the tulips, I forget what year it was, but when uh it was many, many years back. But if you don't have enough of something, how does it pop? Right? Like the only way it can be a bubble and it's going to pop is since you have too much of something, right? What do we have too much of? Like we don't have enough inventory. Buyers. So yep. we don't have enough sellers, right? And we don't have enough sellers. And that means we don't have enough home to sell. Yeah. And we don't have enough land here, especially in California. Even if it's down south, you can't build fast enough for the demand, right? So if the interest rates continue to stay low, right? And even if they creep up a little bit, pre-pandemic, we were still at, low. We were at a four percent, right? Um, and a good number was like four percent, three point eight. You know what I mean? That was a good number. So even yeah. if we hit back to that number you're still at a good interest rate, right? Um, yeah. So you you have to kind of think, well, what bubble is going to bust? Like I, for me, it's like, if it's not enough homes, then this issue is going to continue to happen. Even when they say, well, you know what? You know, people were in the forbearance and those people are going to start losing their homes. Okay, well, let's talk about that. If they do start losing their homes, they have so much equity, they don't need to bring down the price, right? Yeah. Just can't afford to pay the mortgage. Yeah. So if they sell it and it's still not enough homes to sell, then there's still a bidding war on that home, right? Yeah. So it's still, and then guess what? You can't compete. Yeah. Absolutely. You pay cash. So that's my thought process on the market. I think it's still going to remain this way for a little while. I think it will be a market correction. But I don't think that there there's going to be a bubble pop where it's going to drop 30, 40% in price. That's my opinion. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I had a client that, um, you know, people were knocking down the doors. Like I was going to show her the home and somebody, rude little, rude little woman was like, can I come and see this home? And I was like, maybe, are you, are you the, are you the realtor? And I was like, I'm a realtor. <laughs> right, right. And she was like, well, can I have your card? And um, I was like, well, you know what? I'll, I'll give you my card, but I don't want to be rude to my client. This is for time right now. Right. And we went, and we walked inside and she was like, you know, she had already had her mind made up. She was taking it anyway. She's an investor, bought an investment property. She was buying all cash. Right. No preemptive offers. Of course, once they see cash, they all turn into little girls. That's what I told her. I said, they all turn into little girls. Right, right. Now they'll take it. And of course they took, of course they took it. The guy was in Greece on his honeymoon. And I said, I don't care what time it is. Like, get him up. We're not, we we're going to walk. You know what I mean? And that kind of stuff, that's not a bubble. <laughs> like she's just going to pull that money and she's going to take more cash and she's just going to keep buying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not a bubble, but I'm just glad, I'm glad that you ex explained it like that because I, I, I totally agree. It's not a bubble. And it's not a bubble when people have cash. It's a bubble when people have loans. <laughs> right. You know, and then even still, you're like, hey, you know, even if that's the case, you're like, okay, when people are buying these homes in cash, you know, you got inflation that's going to come. So guess what you think? They they need to put their cash into a vehicle, right? To <laughs> the best protection for inflation. And exactly. real estate is exactly what you're doing. Best protectors for cash <laughs> and for inflation. So that, that's my two cents on what I think about the market. And I just think there will be some type of stabilization, but I don't think it's going to be a pop, a bubble. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. That was perfect. So before we let you go, we would like to just have a little bit of fun with you and do some rapid fire questions. Pew, 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 rapid. So you can't be thinking, right? No, okay, and go for it. I won't think. I'll just. You need to be quick on your feet. 
Okay. So I'm, I'm going to ask a totally different question than I usually ask. As a realtor, um, you're often on. You got to be kind of on. And when you, you know, you either go on that listing appointment or you're doing that buyer, whatever, you got to be on. What do you do to turn down? What do you do to just unwind and turn down? I color. I've seen your coloring. Wow. <laughs> I color. I love ink. What, what is the gel ink pens? Here's one that I'm just writing with right now. That you're twirling with? Yeah, that I'm twirling with. Yeah, I, I color. Last night, I when I told you I had one of those days. Yeah. Here's my here's my coloring book right here. There you go. So my, yeah. There you go. I That's color. so funny. Yeah, I have the gel pens. I'm always on a hunt for like new gel pens. It's an expensive little habit, but it's it's calming. It's so calming. It's therapeutic. I put on my music. I listen to my jazz or whatever, you know, R&B. And I just, you know, wind completely down. That's I love a, that. Oh, you yeah. got sleep with that. See? you got I, I just got calm just like you. <laughs> that sounds like amazing. Just like a good coloring book and some matte pencils and some wine. Man, I hear it's good for anxiety. Huh? I hear it's good for anxiety. It, it is, right? So, uh, you know, when you're just amped up and you're just like you said, you're always on the go and you're so yeah. and you're just like, oh, you know what? I just, oh, I need to relax. I had me a, a glass of and I went with some hard liquor because I normally don't drink hard liquor. But yesterday was such a hard day. I had to have me a, some, a pear gray goose. And I was like, pear gray goose. Yeah, that sounds so good. good. It's so good. It makes it with like some seven up. And I not the seven up. <laughs> you lost <laughs> me with the seven up. <laughs> Try it. Try it. Right. But I'm normally wine, white wine, you know. Oh man. Yep, that's what I do. I love it. I'm gonna go next because go white wine. Yeah. I don't drink white wine, but I will let you take me to Napa one day. <laughs> so, at the beginning of the when we first started recording a podcast, they used to make fun of me because I drink Moscato. Mm. I've graduated since then a little bit, <laughs> but. <laughs> Kimberly, you saw that. Thank you. Just no knock to the Moscato drinkers out there, but uh, that's not real wine. It's not. It's okay. Um, I've grown. Okay. My question is, since you are Napa adjacent and you uh-huh. said you like wine, what's your favorite wine? I like Pinot or uh, Sauvignon Blanc. White. Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. Yeah. White. Chardonnays are a little heavier and, you know, they're a little... Sometimes it's just too oaky for me. So I like the Pinots and, and the Sav, Sav, if they want to call them some places, because they're just a little fruitier for me. So if you like Moscato, try a Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> She's shaking her head. I'm going to tell you, I went from Moscato to like, what is that you gave me, Kim? Like Shiraz or something like that to Malbec. 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 I'm like Malbec right here. Yeah, I'm like yeah, right in here. I like, I, there was this guy I knew in New York and he just loved mountain, especially like with a steak or like, you know, it was like, gosh, this is the only wine you drink. But it was like, it's really good though. It's good. Yeah, baby steps. That and that that Snoop Dogg Cali Red, man, I love it. Look at your face. <laughs> like, Snoop Dogg Cali Red is okay. I don't mind it. You might as well just go and get you some Earl Stevens then. I'm not Have you had the Snoop Dogg Red? It's pretty. It's not that bad. How do you know what that is, Earl Stevens? I don't E-40? even know what Earl Stevens is. E-40, the rapper. He has a wine? He, he has a wine? Out. That's his real name, Earl Stevens? Didn't yeah. know that. I know E-40. Yes, Earl Stevens. His name is, oh, I'm always going to say Earl Stevens now. I got to put on for the bay, you know? You know? I, I'm not from here. I, I, I would never know. Now, if you would have said put on for some like UGK, you know, something like that, but <laughs> yep, Earl but Stevens. We, from you. we all know. I ain't no Earl Stevens. I have no clue. Right. E4 yeah. is Earl Stevens. Yeah. And he I has a this. wine. I will support a black wine. And he, yes, yes, he, uh, he has a wine. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Yeah. Oh, yep. We will have to support. He has a mango scotto. Y'all know. Never a mango scotto. <laughs> I can't do the sweets. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't do the sweets. Yeah, I'm not doing yeah. No wine is supposed to be no mango. Nothing. It's no. not a wine. That's a wine cooler. With the I heard you think bad. Yeah, the malt liquor. 
<laughs> Motley <Mother. laughs> <laughs> Baby steps. MD forty forty. Right. That's old school right there. I used to get an MD forty forty. Not the mad dog. I know she took it back. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they still make a mad dog. Though. I they imagine do. they still do. That's true. They, they still make Alize. <laughs> No. Man, I remember when Alizé and Hennessy, y'all remember that? What was it, the yep. Hulk? The Incredible Hulk. Back in the Incredible Hulk. What's so crazy? I never had that drink. I never sipped it. You're not missing much. Yeah, you, yeah. You never had Alizé? <laughs> you you turn into the Hulk. <laughs> not, not even Alizé by itself, no. You're not missing You nothing. turn into the Hulk. <laughs> it just looks so thick. Like, why is it so thick? Just no. hit the back of your throat, don't go down. <laughs> Just stay there. It's <laughs> just not moving. <laughs> well, I have a question. Mine is sidebar on this. Can okay. you send me, since I'll be in Napa next week, you got a list of your favorites? You know what? You have to try. Did you Google the um, the Black-owned wine company? Yeah. Okay. It, and their wine is really good. What is it? The Brown... Brown... Gosh. The brown Valley? Like girls. Brown, the Brown Valley Estate. Black-owned. Uh, oh, in Napa? Yeah. I feel like Brown is right. It's called, It's yeah, Brown Estate? Brown, it says Brown, it's just Brown downtown Napa. That's I feel Memphis. like you and I were talking about this before. Yeah, so, and it's it's really, it's just Brown. That's it, it's Brown Napa Valley. It's just, um, yeah. If you, yeah, if you, um, and they have their, like, tasting is uh, downtown Napa. It's not in the traditional, like, you're out. That's in... cool, because we're staying in downtown Napa. So that's oh, perfect. Perfect. So, you know, typically um, you would go out to the vineyard and out to the vineyard, you'd be, um, you would go there. But then, so there. And... Oh, they're not open this season. They just told me. Oh, man. Oh, that sucks. Um... I don't know any other ones. You probably could get in for a, a tasting at Earl Stevens. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> You're not standing. Um, you know what? There's another one I have to look at. Oh up, my gosh. But I will get it to you. There's another one that I really like, but I haven't been there in so long. You got a week until next Friday. I'm there next Friday. Okay. I promise you I'll get it to you. But do you like whites? Yeah, I drink, yeah, I drink red and white. Okay, yeah. So I'll I I'll get it to you. Oh, honing. Honing. Is H O N I N G. Okay, that could be offline, you know. But if anyway, you find it. Get, but it's honing, and it's oh my gosh, their wines are are great. They're great. Awesome. Well, tell everybody where they can find you, so they can see your great videos and things like that. Tell us where we can find you at. Okay. Before I do that, one last thing in Napa for you: hot air balloon. If you're not. Yeah, kidding. I heard, and then they just had an accident. <gasps> yeah. Oh. All right. We're. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> where you can yeah. find me is on Instagram um, at Janae A. Um, so Janae underscore Pratt R E. So J A N A E underscore Pratt P R A T T underscore R E. So on Instagram mainly, um, I have my business page on Facebook, just Janae Pratt uh, Realtor. And then I will be, I was trying to get like you guys and kind of, you know, get my YouTube stuff together. It's just, I'm out in the field working. Oh, child, we still trying to get that YouTube stuff together. Don't. That's <laughs> <laughs> work. So it's it's work. Lot of work. You get it's busy. Work. It's, it's cool. We had nothing to do. Right. <laughs> no, it's work. Um, and I'm out here really, you know, trying to become like that. I call myself, I'm trying to call myself a baby developer right now. So I'm trying to graduate and keep going up that chain to become the developer, you know? So a lot of work to do, but that's where you can find me. It's gonna also, happen. I didn't get to do mine real quick since I asked my my question that was the sidebar. What's your next travel place to? That's my that's my rapid fire. Or where where do you, where's your, give me your number one bucket list spot. Ooh, Santorini Islands. Love it, it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that I feel like someone already told me it's only like a two day year type trip. I say like, hop the islands though. You know, so yeah, Africa. I want to go to Ghana. That's on my list. I want to. That's I've been wanting to go there for a long time. Last year we were supposed to go. There's a friend of mine is living there. Uh, so 
now we just have to figure out when we're going to make it happen. But Ghana is like bucket list, have to get there. And That's go. awesome. Yeah. I just saw some really beautiful resorts out there. I mean, I, I heard no it's idea. so bomb. It's there in, um, gosh, where's the other uh, places? I want to go to the giraffe spot. Zanzibar. So Zanzibar is gorgeous. Like all the pictures I've seen in my friend who has lived in um, Africa, she's like Zanzibar is they're sleeping on Zanzibar. It's so beautiful. Like the water is so blue, like better than Jamaica, um, Cancun, Cabo, gorgeous. So we shall see one of these days if all the rules are not so difficult to get there. So we'll see. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. But this is fun. Happen. She loosen up a little bit. And that's gonna be dope. I Thank you for that. joining us. Really appreciate it. Gotta have you back on. You're welcome. And you're uh, a big time developer. Don't forget about don't forget about the little people. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you guys would be right next to me and filming stuff, you know, <laughs> watching me out in the field. Like, hey, come on out. I'm gonna be having people come on field trips. Like, look, you wanna see what it's like? to really be out in the field doing these things. I'm serious. You'll see it on my Instagram. I'll have people, yeah. I, have, I have high school students already set up when we break, break ground for them to come out to see what it's like to, you know, build a house from the ground up and see if they want to go into the trades because the trades are not getting enough respect. So. High school, shit, I'm going to be there. We're going to do a connect. <laughs> I'm out of high school. <laughs> Take that right on to the South Bay. <laughs> come on, Janae. <laughs> let's do it let's do it i'm ready but thank you ladies so thank much thank you thank you janae i look forward to doing this again with you guys one day and it's been a pleasure meeting you awesome. all, all thanks right. janae you're thank welcome you. you guys take care thank you, janae thank you